Okay, welcome back to Lord Clark and Friends, episode number 18. Uh, we're back here, I'm Lord Clark, and uh, we're back with uh, Lord Cran, and uh, get tonight started off in a good way. Uh, do you have anything you want to talk about? I know we've got a lot to talk about since the last time we had a podcast. There is a lot to talk about, but the question really is, where do we begin? I have no idea, there's so much. How about I, I'll do the lead-in, I'll just make it up as I go along. That sounds good enough to me. Let's see how it goes. All right. Okay. Short of throwing in expletives, we should talk about our new President Obama. Okay. You mean brainless Obama or, you know? Well, well, I mean, there are plenty of things that we can hold him accountable for. Now, see, I've gotten into a few scuffles, not real scuffles, but verbal scuffles with people about this guy. Yeah. there are a lot of people who are like, we got to give him a chance. Okay, we got to give him a hundred days. We got to give him enough rope to hang himself with. We got to give him a chance because, well, he hasn't really done that much. And I went on to the White House website and yep. I looked at all the different actions he's done since January 20th. Yep. It's only been a couple weeks. And he has been screwing us left and right, plain and simple. He is causing all of these new actions. These actions are in the form of social justice or economic justice, which is kind of like a Robin Hood thing, take from the middle class, or basically take from everybody and give to whoever he favors. Yeah. Okay? That's one specific thing. So so there is the increase of taxation that is implicit with all of the new actions that that he wants to do. And quite frankly, it makes my blood boil. The things that have already come to pass. He just passed this, uh, or was involved in this uh, uh, endorsing, I don't know if it's actually gone through the House completely in the Senate, but this uh, SKIP program, or S-CHIP, which is supposed to give... um, to throw, what, hundreds of millions of dollars to health care for kids? Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, oh, yeah, and illegal kids, too, isn't it? Yes. It's not even, like, legal citizens. It's illegal children in the United States. Okay, but the thing is, how was this supposed to be funded? Well, the way the law, as, as has been reported, if not has how it has been actually written, is to take cigarettes and tax them more heavily to pay health care of little kids. Yeah, I've heard that. Okay, so this, and I'm going to compare this with another thing that's going on. There are two other things that have been of major topics in the news. One is another round of stimulus package, okay, and the other is to cap the pay of CEOs of companies that might get bailed out. And some of our congressmen who also want to extend it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, okay, so I can name names, okay? It's Barney Frank who wants to, who says, oh, you know, it's not fair, you know, just to put a cap on, you know, uh, government bailout companies. It, it, you know, we should really distribute the pain to everybody. 
And I think that, well, he didn't say it quite like that, but the intent or the implication that we want to punish everybody is something that is is part of the whole Obama program, okay? To punish people so that others may benefit. And as Americans, we should be scared of this. Now, I have been reading, and I've mentioned this before, Thomas Jefferson. Mm-hmm. There's a quote that I read today that was, it's a short one, so, you know, you don't have to pay attention for too long if you're listening. <laughs> but I will say this, and this is the quote. I think myself that we have more machinery of government than is necessary. Too many parasites living on the labor of the industrious. Now, our country was, uh, the balance of our country from the get-go has been, it has hinged upon little inconveniences that have accumulated over time. And I think we're going to reach a tipping point soon in which, you know, people aren't going to take it anymore. There have been a large number of phone calls. People have been calling up their representatives left and right so bad lately that they've jammed the phone lines. Yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. I I thought that was interesting that, you know, people are like, everybody's calling to revolt against this uh, Obama stimulus bill and Obama is urging action and everybody in America is like no, don't do this action it's just going to kill us well here's it, 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 well okay, it, there are two implicit problems in, in that okay, there's one is the problem, well we got to do something, we got to do something now or else right, okay Right. Well, actually there's a third problem in there too let's go for the second part of it though there's, we better do something now. There is, what we're going to do is going to cost a lot. Yeah. Okay. And then the third part of it is, well, not only is we got to do something now, it's going to cost a lot, but it probably won't work and we're going to have to do it again. <laughs> and it's a beginning cycle. It's setting the precedent for doing this again and again, and again. Yep. And, you know, here's a good, I mean, if you, it's just so out there. I mean, everybody, every average person on the street can't see how this stimulus is actually going to do anything because all it really is is a a bill, a fork bill that's disguised to actually just build more government or create more government infrastructure. Yep. So people are, are up in arms about it. It's like, well, you know, just, just to get our heads around it, okay, anytime the government says they want to do something, the cost that you're looking at, think of it like if you're going to get, like, a, an addition added to your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you go to a contractor, they'll give you an estimate. When the government says they're going to do something and they're going to sign it into law, What you're really signing for is the estimate. So you take that number, you multiply it by 10, and that's the real value that you're going to end up paying. So when they say it's a $900 billion plan, 
over a course of time, it's going to cost you nine, uh, nine trillion dollars. Okay, just to keep things all, all you know apples to apples, and you can look back at, at different stimulus bills that we've had in the past. Yeah, they end up costing ten times as much. So when you when you hear they're saying, oh, 900 billion. We just spent 800. And I think there was another 800 before that. So we're already, if you just take the estimated value, we've already spent a couple trillion bucks. Yeah. In the past year. Yeah, I know. It's, it's pretty scary. Now, now, let's say hypothetically, let's bring it all home, right? Well, what if we bring this down to the average person? And let's say you're 10 grand in, te- in credit card debt. Okay, what would you have to be smoking to say, oh, you know what? I I need to, you know, do something and spend ten grand more because I'm already up into debt, debt to my eyeballs. Well, isn't the solution to just keep spending, <laughs> spending your way into no? Oh. <laughs> you can't spend your way out of debt. Period. It doesn't matter if you're the government or you're the guy down the street. You cannot spend your way out of debt. You pay your debt down. Yep. Yeah. It's <clears throat> spend your way out of debt. Well, you know, we did talk about something where I told you you could spend your way out of debt. You know, I did come up with a thing that is completely legal in the United States system, which was, you know, we were talking about, you know, you buy a house, you get a huge mortgage. You homestead the house, and then you uh, then you get a permanent disability and go on government cheese. Uh, the government uh, you take the government money, your so your SSI every month, and you tell the mortgage company, I can't make the mortgage payment, and uh, go uh, go go screw or whatever. And they I'm can't gonna I'm gonna state the obvious in the event that. Maybe people don't know whether or not to believe what you're saying, okay? But I'm just going to state for the record that suggesting that is morally reprehensible. Let let me finish the scenario here, and then then we'll talk about morals. Let's not finish this fantasy you've got here. It's not a fantasy. What it is. It's morally equivalent to someone who is poor, who is bilking, the welfare system, or someone who's a CEO who's bilking the corporate welfare system. You're bilking a system that is being paid for by the burdens. It is a burden on the back of your average taxpayers. Right. And uh, I totally, I totally agree. This is morally and in, 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 in just, just completely reprehensible. But you can get a free house this way, uh, and this is the whole. This is the way the whole thing comes down. And if you vote Democratic, you know if you, this is the this is the wholesale here. This is what I I've come to find out. Yeah. You get your. You don't have to pay your mortgage if you go this route. So you get you know finish it. You know you go get some disease that you can't ever recover from. Uh, Take the government cheese or the government checks. Since your house is homesteaded, they can't take it from you because you can't legally work. 
and you live in that house, and you don't have to pay any taxes on it either. Quite the scary thing. Quite the scary thing. I, and, and, but that's how you do it. You can get a free house and not have to pay taxes on it either. So, now granted, you will not, now as soon as you die, that house gets taken back by everybody who you ever owed for it. <laughs> the government and the in the bank fight out for who's going to get more money at the end of the day. Uh, well, your debt should die with you. It doesn't get passed on to your kin. Right, but they can take the house. Yeah. Because the, the bank owns the house because it still has a note on the house. But you don't you don't ever get kicked out. In case you you haven't seen the movie Network, <laughs> there's an often played uh, piece of that where uh, Howard Beale is a character and he, he tells everyone to go to their windows and yell they're mad as hell and they're not going to take it anymore. Yeah. We the taxpayers feel that way often, very often. I I, I think that's something maybe understated, <laughs> but yet still so profound. Yeah, it is very, it's very profound. And the sad thing is, is I don't see how we're going to get out of this without the people, without the the voters revolting. And the problem well, is, well, is, is and, and let me be straight up, we've been complaining about this and we got to harp on this till, till the day. Till whenever, till things change in Massachusetts, you cannot vote for these same people. You cannot just vote blindly Democrat. This is what happens. You have to make it a two-party system. We really should have a six-party system. I seriously need to start the Imperial Party of America. Imperial America needs to to rise. We need to... to, I don't want to get going. We got we got to we got to move on. I'm going to get too mad before this podcast. Let's revisit a couple of the other topics. Now, the CEO pay cap thing. Yeah. Um having a politician, an elected politician who has sworn to uphold the constitution. That means all of our senators, all of our congressmen and the president. Okay, they've sworn to uphold the constitution. Yes. And yet, they don't understand the significance of the natural rights of man benefiting by the fruits of their labors without restriction. <laughs> well, that is implicit in the words that Jefferson put forth. Period. Yeah. These guys just don't understand the Constitution as it was constructed. They have no clue what the Constitution even says, half of them. I, You know, it, it's clear Barack Obama doesn't. Um, I want to bring up another quote that Jefferson said. Bring it up. Okay. This is a wonderful instance of great events from small causes. So inscrutable is the arrangement of causes and consequences in this world that a two-petty duty on tea, unjustly imposed in in a sequestered part of it, changes the condition of all its inhabitants. If it weren't for that, that tea party in Boston, if it weren't for the protest of a, a tax 
Because that's what happens. People get taxed and taxed again and taxed again, and inevitably it results in insurrection and revolution. Right. Okay? Because of taxation, we separated from England, but more importantly, we set a precedent of Self, and this is the, the important part. The, the important word in there is self. In self-government, right. it was a beacon of light for the rest of the world to follow. Totally. And, and it's, I mean, where, how do we elect officials that go totally against the founding, I mean, the founding principles? They, do people, like, even care about why this country was founded for freedom? Oh, freedom, freedom this, freedom that. Do you understand what... Do you understand you vote against your freedom every time you you vote? What do you mean? <laughs> uh, uh, that was my point. You don't even know what you're voting for or why you're voting. And well, you're, the thing is, the comparison of... of um, I mean, when... when the great experiment of democracy was happening here in the U.S. They looked at England as a model that had gone out of control. Right. Where the laws and the taxation, it was not just the taxation, but it was also the amount of of laws that restricted freedoms and liberties of Mm -hmm. life and the pursuit of property. Well, there were a whole ton of laws that they just didn't want to deal with anymore. Yeah. And we're coming to the point where we're on par with that sort of insanity. Well, we have almost all of the laws that we didn't want to deal with anymore, we currently have on the books. And we're putting worse ones on the books. And it's like, does anybody get it? We're back where we started from. Uh, Yeah. And it's like... These guys, I want to start, maybe we should start throwing things overboard. Uh, you know, our our founding fathers were willing to stand up for their rights. Yep. You know, why aren't we? We just roll over. Well, the thing is, and this is something to keep in mind, the general attitude uh, at the time of the Boston Tea Party was basically broken up into thirds. The population was in thirds. Yeah. A third of the population wanted to break away from England. A third of the population wanted to um, keep things as they were to be under English rule. And the remaining third didn't care. Yeah. So you don't even need to have a majority to to cause great change in the way things are. Right. No, I totally agree. You just need you need to have a vocal. I mean, it's it's been clear the vocal minority shutting down different industries because they bu- they they bully people around. It's time for the vocal majority. It's time for the majority to say we ain't taking it anymore. We're not going to take your crap anymore, you're shoving down our throats. We don't want it. We don't care. It's time that you need to 
get out of our faces and get out of our lives and get out of our taxes. And you know what? We need to cut taxes, cut spending, and get back to old school America where people took care of each other because they cared about their neighbor, not because they don't care about their neighbor, you know? And, hey, big business, oh, taxing the CEO, he can't make more than 500000 That's stupid. That is just raw stupidity, okay? The more stupid thing, however, is the expectation that the top 5% of all wealth in the U.S. has to bear the burden for the rest of us. Well, the rest of, well, not the rest of us, but the rest of everybody else. Yeah, they pay 90% of the taxes. They pay 90% of the taxes. Now, if I were subject to all sorts of conditions, oh, well, you know, there are laws and rules and regulations, and, you know, and suddenly it's like, oh, now we're going to put a cap on what you earn. Well, guess what? I'm not going to want to earn anymore. In fact... I might just pick up and leave. And, you know, the, the idea is, well, someone who makes X number of dollars, let's say it's $501,000, okay? Yep. They're at the point where maybe they've created a company that has 100 or so people in it. Well, not only have they created wealth for themselves, but they've created jobs for others. Right. Okay? And those jobs are in essence, worth far more than the wealth that they create for themselves. Well, and the other thing I can see is, okay, I'll just move my company offshore. Yeah. You know, I'll make my money offshore. You can't, you're not going to stop these people from making more than 500000 What you're going to do is you're just going to trade it into convertible options or you're going to trade it into deferred compensation. And so you're going to be paying this guy a million dollars a year for five years of work and been paying for him for... Paying him a five hundred thousand dollars a year for whatever it takes to pay off the deferred compensation. You know, all it's going to do is create a welfare system that you're you're gonna, and then you're going to lose tax revenue because those people making a million dollars are not going to be making a million dollars anymore. So you're going to lose all that tax revenue of that extra money. It, it it's staggering. I can understand that. Hey. You know, let's put a cap on people. You know, if the government's going to bail you out, yeah, I can see some caps on on some spending, but... No, see, see here's the thing. You're making, and, and uh, as, as have a lot of people, and as... Oh, yeah, yeah, I can see the point. It's it's sort of like, why why do we even care what the CEO makes? Honestly, the CEO, and this is the real thing, a CEO of a company makes a huge difference. A good CEO will turn the company into making money. But, but hold on a second. Two wrongs do not make a right. Oh, yeah. Okay? The fact that we're bailing them out and have already assumed that it's a premise that should be true is incorrect. They should not be bailed out. And had they or if they were not to be bailed out, it wouldn't matter what kind of pay they made. Because they're not bailed out. They're either going to fail or they're going to succeed on their own merits. Period. True. Now, the other thing that I wanted to mention, uh, somewhat um, tangentially to this issue, 
is that how how long is it before? I mean, this is the the expansion, and you, you, we talk of both. Okay, let's back up a second. Reagan. I don't know if it was his original quote, but he had said repeatedly, "When government expands, liberty contracts." That's very true, and it is very true. But then you have to ask yourself, what next? What more is the government allowed to meddle in? Okay. There are many things that the government has tried to uh, intervene in. And one other thing is that the uh, Jeffersons had in mind that the Constitution was there. Right. In essence, if not in example, to protect the people from government expansion. Yep protect them from government. And there are some instances where he goes on about, well, you know, natural law versus um, the laws of the land and the spirit of the letter of the law and so on and so forth. But the laws we have in place are intended or were intended to protect natural law rights. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep. So, now I want to ask, well, how, how bad could it get? Well, what, what could happen? Well, isn't the next logical step that the, if this were to happen, well, why, does, why don't you just let the government set all pay? Why don't you let them set everybody's salary and then never allow them to change their professions? Well, that's the road we're going down. I mean, you know, as I've been talking about, we're going to the People's Republic of America, of the United States of America. Uh, not the Republic of the United States of America, but the People's Republic. And everybody should know what the People's Republic stands for, which is Communist America. We're, you know, and I was listening to Jim Cramer, and he was saying, you know, the communist I want to be, is like the Chinese communist who's only after one thing, profits. Uh, and, you know, that's not our communism. We're, we're trying to recreate Russian communism. We're trying to recreate Marxism. And it's starting to tick me off. And we're, you know, are we a Marxist society? Well, I guess in Massachusetts we are. Well, if not Marxist, Leninist. Yeah. I mean, it's a bad road. It's a bad road for the country to be on. And I think people will start realizing, people, okay, there are people out there who just don't care, okay? There are people out there who just don't care. Yep. And when will they care? Well, if I could take a really good estimate of when they're going to care, it's going to be 2010 on or before April 15th. Yep. Because... People start caring when it costs them. When they see that they're going to be taxed into oblivion because of what Obama wants to do, yep. or because of what Deval Patrick wants to do, or because of what all of their ilk wants to do, yep. they'll, they'll see it. That's very true. And then, the, and then we'll try to do something, but it'll be too late. Some of these programs will be so ingrained, we won't be able to ever turn them around. Uh, 
it's going to be too late. You know, sometimes I think it's going to be too little too late. Oftentimes, taxes are placed in the public eye as a form of legislation to solve a temporary problem. And that temporary fix almost always becomes a permanent one when the government is involved. The sales tax in Massachusetts, which has become an issue lately, yep. uh, because it's actually going to go up, was intended to be a temporary thing. And it got renewed, and it got renewed again. And never taken down. And then there's a temporary... Uh, what was it? Isn't, isn't also the uh, income tax supposed to be a temporary thing? Um, I know there's a part of the income tax, but the whole income tax is also supposed to be, that 5% income tax is supposed to be. And I also want to ask you, is a sales tax and an income tax double taxation? Are you getting twice, are you getting taxed twice on that dollar you spent at the store today? Because, at least. if not three times. Um, well, think of it like this. Your employer if you have one, if you're not self-employed. Right. They're, they're actually, you're getting, well, see, here's the thing. The concept of a tax is broader than what you think. If you take a tax to be simply that which is taken from you before you may benefit from it, right? then you could say, well, my company makes X number of widgets in Y amount of time for Z amount of dollars. Yep. And they have to pay all their expenses. Their expenses may have costs of um, maybe computers and supplies or whatnot. Mm -hmm. So money that they get from a customer, perhaps, is taxed as it comes in. Yep. Okay. So it's taxed? It is taxed in terms of health care. It is taxed in, in terms of Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid. Yep. All of those are implicitly taxed before the money gets to you, in which time the money, the other part of the health care, Medicare, Social Security, and your federal and state withholdings, I would view as your second round of taxes. Yep. Then, when it's in your pocket and you go purchase something, you're approaching your third level of taxation. Mm -hmm. So, minimally, you're spending tax three times. Or you're getting stuck with the bill on taxes three yep, times. three times. Minimally. Yeah, that money that, that you're spending to buy, or that item that you've gotten to get that money, it's been, the money that has been gone through has been taxed three times, and each tax is different. So the, what, the corporate tax rate, I don't, on the profits is whatever it is, I think 35%. Then the, the tax rate that your employer has to pay for your, for his half and your half is another 18%. And then you pay another 5% for the 
for the item. So let's see. 35 plus 18. Oh, that's just federal. Plus yep. another 5% uh, and what, another half a percent? So the money that is originally generated by the time you get to respend it has already been taxed 58%. Um, wow, yeah, the 60% tax rate before you even get to think about it. That's right. You know, and then... And we're not just, you know, complaining about the fact, oh, we're overly taxed, but it's more along the lines of we are losing our freedoms because of it. Oh, yeah. We are throwing away, effectively large chunks of our labor to get the income that we have that is taxed. Right. So effectively, our labor is going to benefit many people and many causes of which we may not agree. Oh, yeah. And that is a loss of liberty. And a loss of many other things. Um, totally. And... And then they, even worse, I mean, did you, you know, just to go on to this taxation thing, because we have to bring it up. So our uh, creative governor here has decided to try to force companies to impose sales tax outside of the state boundaries. Yep. Now, the way I read the Constitution, that's completely illegal and completely unconstitutional. Um and it is not the first time Massachusetts has tried this. I know I know we were talking about how Governor Dukakis wanted to try uh sending state troopers over the border to, to write down the numbers of uh people from Massachusetts buying liquor in New Hampshire liquor stores and and then trailing them across the border and then fining them. Uh and that got the only reason that got stopped was because New Hampshire said the New Hampshire governor said, uh if you even attempt that, any state trooper caught in New Hampshire will be arrested <laughs> and thrown in, in New Hampshire jail. Um, and that's what stopped Mike Dukakis from trying to do that previously. Well, there are many issues that fall out of this one topic. So maybe we should hit upon the most important of them to us. Which Article One of the Constitution, which is... Uh, can't tax interstate commerce. Uh, I don't know. I mean, these guys are supposed to be like, say, the Constitution is God. The Constitution is, you know, these founding fathers wrote it. You know, they're they're supposed to be miracle workers. You know, these guys are supposed to be geniuses, all geniuses. And, you know, the Constitution is, you know, this great liberal document. But, hey, not when it comes time for them to, to pay up. <laughs> Oh, well, I yeah. would call the, in the modern definition of liberal. <laughs> the Constitution was not a liberal document. It was a libertarian or libertine document. Right. <laughs> uh. oh, but, but here's the thing. There are some fundamental issues that are coming up. Now, if you were in the 1950s, okay, this whole... You, you, 
the rest of the country would look at the situation. I mean, Grant, the rest of the country probably looks at us in Massachusetts like we're a bunch of nuts. Oh, they do. Now, because Second only to California. Huh? Second only to California. Second only to California. Oh, did you hear what California did about tax refunds? Uh, they withheld held the tax refunds so that they could bear interest to pay for their debt. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty scary unto itself. But, you know what's coming to Massachusetts next. Well, <laughs> <laughs> that may be coming. Maybe. That may be coming. You, but, gotta, you know, we got to get people like Barney Frank out of office because that is coming to Massachusetts. Now, we were talking briefly about about legalities and discussing things involving the concept of assassination. Okay. I don't know how how we want to approach this. Well, let, let's um, let's go back to the article that we're um, we're re- we're basing why we're talking about this on. Okay. Well, hold on a sec. Let me get back to another point then. Okay. Before I forget the. The problem of, of um, taxing interstate commerce is, if you were in the 1950s, back when there was this big old threat of of um, socialism and communism, and there was the whole McCarthy era, era trials, and, you know, are you a communist, and so on and so forth. Right. And communism was a creeping threat in the Cold War. Yeah. You know, communism was a threat. Well... The rest of the country would look at us and say, wow, that's an expansion of a communist power by trying to impose its law outside of its borders in in a way that equalizes or otherwise... uh, Well, it's either communist or fascist, depending on how you want to look at it. Yeah. So, you know, there's an element of possible uh, reciprocity there. I think reciprocal, yeah, reciprocity there. Because if if you were to live in New Hampshire and you work in Massachusetts, they're already getting a cut of your money, even though New Hampshire doesn't have a a state income tax. I know, they still have to pay mass income tax. And then on top of it, if you work in New Hampshire and, and live in Massachusetts, you still have to pay a mass income tax. Okay, well, so if, if, uh, if, this sort of law were to pass, then the counterclaim of people who work out of who live out of state and work in Massachusetts were, can I get my money back because you're holding my taxes and I live in an area that is not taxed? Yeah, and you still so, stuck with the tax because you work. You could in- open up a can of worms. For creating a situation in which the state loses revenue, not only loses revenue but creates additional debt. Yeah, that's very true, and it's well, as it's been proven time after time, more taxation only creates less revenue. Mm-hmm. To the point where, you know, and I, you go back, you know, what did Jackson, what did Andrew Jackson do? Cut all the taxes, and then 
get the country out of debt simultaneously because of the boom in, in tax uh, tax money? That won't happen in this term. Yeah, well, that's because, you know, the, the, the genius Obama, quote, genius Obama, can't get his mind around that concept and can't get his mind around a lot of concepts. Oh, but he's a genius. Oh, can't you can't doubt the genius of Obama. Well, yeah, in the first 10 days, he's made, what, 100 mistakes and doesn't understand how to respond to, to criticism. Can't talk about the things that he's trying to tax us on because he knows nothing about what it means or what the repercussions are going to be when he imposes those taxes. You may still think he's a community advisor for South Chicago. Yeah, well, South Chicago isn't the rest of the country. Maybe not, but those were people in South Chicago may have been his constituents, and he thinks they still are. Oh, uh, he thinks that everybody should be live like they do in South Chicago. Right. Which means broken and reliant on the government. Yep. Uh. Yep. Now, I was watching, I was actually reading, um, there was a website called uh, impeachobamanow.org, and it's kind of a shell, a hollow kind of website, but, you know, it had a couple of links to YouTube videos of President Reagan. Yeah. And I was watching these um, farewell addresses that Reagan gave, and it was a 20-minute speech. Right. And you listen to the guy, and you think, you know, now I understand why everybody likes Reagan, or most people like Reagan, because he was well-spoken, he was grandfatherly, and he was sincere. And you you look at his speech, and then you look at the, you know, Bush Sr., and then Clinton, right. and then Bush Jr., and now Obama. <laughs> and you have to put them, to, you know, put two and two together and say, wow, our presidents have gotten progressively dumber. Right. Because they are not nearly as literate as Reagan was. That's very true. And it, 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 it's sad when all these people who claim Obama was the smartest man ever... Now he gets into office, they're all, like, shocked when they find out this guy is is a moron. And this guy is not only that, but dumber than George Bush, George W. Bush. Well, we can, we can bring up the topic of prejudice in, in the context of, well, maybe, maybe people are so prejudiced out there that their standard of what they expect someone who looks like Obama to act right. is, is so unbelievably low that they think they can barely read and write. Like, that Obama could barely read and write, so because he can actually string together a sentence, he's a genius. Yeah. But. I don't know. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think Obama is particularly bright. And I think his ideas are the brain-damaged ideas of the left. And that has nothing to do with the color of his skin. <laughs> yeah. Well, it is, because I, he, I, he never... This is the scariest part. He never actually ever said anything 
that was inventive or new. And then when he he just he says change, and all he kept saying was change, but this this there isn't changing anything. He's just bringing the brain dead ideas of the left back up and trying to do them in a in a in a more virulent way, you know, so you can't get rid of them. And these dead ideas that have been dead for 20 years, if not really 50, 60, or even 80, because, you know, these dead ideas from the, the, what do you call it, the, oh, I can't think of, FDR administration, that everybody has been, it's been proven that they don't work. These well, I don't think we have to even go back that far. I think we really, all we got to do is look to Carter, and we can only hope that, well, just in the manner of, of, as Carter was to Reagan, that Obama will open the door for a really good conservative candidate the next round that will, you know, fix all the damage that this idiot has done. Right. Now, now I think we can talk about the topic of, oh, uh, well, the lawfulness of assassination discussions. Okay, so so. so all right, I'm going to preface this with, I'm not threatening, or, or nor would I threaten, or directly wish threat or harm to any political person. Right, and I and I agree with you completely, and okay. I I'm not endorsing. But however, I wouldn't, and this, this actually brings up a topic that it also relates to reactions at the time of September 11th. Right. Your, your, um, and I think it would be even ill to say terrorist Americans, because they're not. But let's just say uh, um, people who do not support uh, or, or people who would be supporters of terrorist causes yep. uh, cheered on September 11th uh, tragedy. Well, I think Obama yeah. cheered on September 11th tragedy, but uh, he's, well, trying to, he's, he's trying to use it for his own political gain. Um, okay. In any well, event, let's 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 break this down. Where did the conversation start? Um, which was, you sent me an article. Idaho kids uh, on school bus chant, assassinate Obama. Yeah. Which I thought, well, this, this kind of gets me interested. I'm always interested in seeing why a bunch of kids in Idaho even care about the politics of our country. Um, but, you know, basically, a bunch of kids on a school bus got stood up and uh, used their right to free speech and started as chanting assassinate Obama. Yep. Now, then this CNN article uh, goes on to paint these kids, or it's actually ADN, I'm sorry. Uh, don't want to get my things. Paint these kids in, in this redneck light that I don't think is justified. That they come from the most redneck town and in Idaho, and they're a bunch of rednecks, and their parents are not, are a bunch of rednecks, and, you know, all of this 
uh, all this thing. And it's kind of interesting that they had to, you know, bring up that they live in a highly Mormon town. Yeah. Uh, and well, that let me, let me, let me interject something here, okay? And this doesn't necessarily have to do with this topic, but I find it somewhat amusing if you're related. Okay. And that is, a good idea is a good idea no matter who it comes from. Correct. Very correct. So, these kids are expressing their right to free speech, um, which they have. Now, this, and then, you know, but it's interesting that the left, the left media has to paint them in a redneck light and try to defame them and deface them and call them basically, try to call them white trash and all of that. I, I, that's where I kind of got offended by the article. Because I felt these kids are actually being political, you know, they'd be praised if they were like, praise Obama, he's the savior. You know, these kids would be praised for chanting, we love Obama. But, but, but hold on, hold on a second, though. Here's the thing, though, and this is also related. There was a, a kid who put a, a video up, I guess, an eight-year-old kid who claimed he was going to assassinate Obama. Right. Now, by our laws, it is a crime to make a threat on the president or the president-elect. Yes. And so, so this is where... Yeah, these school kids said instead of assassinate Obama, if they had said we're gonna and then assassinate Obama, they would probably be they all, they all, by law, should be arrested and hauled off to jail. Now, we know no political body is ever going to allow that many school kids to be arrested and hauled off to jail. You just can't do it. So, because it would make for a political nightmare that you put second graders into jail. Uh, or whatever they are, you know, elementary school kids into jail. It just, you're never going to be able to pull that off politically. Right. Um, but, so these kids are the only ones in America who can actually get away with uh, actually saying some of this stuff. Yeah. Now, then I want to take it further. Well, if you're not claiming you're going to assassinate and you're not claiming you're going to harm someone, yep. can you, by um, verbiage, Safely state that you wish ill will upon people like that. Um, like for example, I'd be if someone if someone said I would be extremely pleased if someone else killed the president. I guess because there's no intent on your part to do it, that it is not illegal. Illegal. It's a very gray area of the law, because I remember discussing this with you before the podcast, in which, you know, we kind of cite the whole movie, you know, the whole Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report, where he's going around looking into people's minds, and when they have an evil thought, you got to go stop them and bring, and bring them in uh, before they uh, commit the crime. Um, but there are many people who have evil thoughts and never act upon them. 
so how do you tell the difference? Well, in the, in the same category as like a Deadpool. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Deadpool's nobody. I, don't, I haven't heard anybody being arrested by carrying on a Deadpool. Mm. Um, other than for the fact that they may be busted for, for, for gambling. Uh, yeah. But that's a different story. Because I think the the real reason that I brought this up was had actually nothing to do with our president. It had to do with Barney Friend. Right. And I speculate that after he said what he did, trying to get caps on CEOs' salaries, I suspect strongly that someone's going to put a hit out on him. I don't know. I mean, I I've been noticing something in 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 Washington politics these days. It seems like any you know after Hillary Clinton got her, her State Department position or wherever she's at, Secretary of State, that did you notice all the Obama supporters in Congress have been going down like flies, and the and the Obama supporters who, uh, you know who have tax problems have had to resign or leave office or do something like that. And uh, the Clinton supporters have been rubber-stamped through Congress and on their way, even though they have tax problems, to the Department of Treasury and other posts. But yet, that, That's another issue I've been meaning to address as well. I mean, I, I'm not getting a... Uh, I, I don't have a, a feel-good sense right now uh, at all about Obama's judgment. If he's picking these people in his cabinet, and he keeps finding out that they're tax evaders and cheats. How should we be confident in this guy? Well, that's what everybody else is saying, is how, wait a minute, this guy is not even vetting out his own people, and they're all tax evaders and cheats, and they've all, they've all committed some tax crime and have had to remove their name from office because they need to pay some tax bill that they owe the IRS. Yeah. And the only reason they're even coming clean is because they're going to get it exposed. Now, let's put the shoe on the other foot. If this situation involved Bush instead of Obama, yeah, where he was appointing all these people that, that had these less-than-perfect records, yep. people, the average person, would be calling him out saying, he is committing treason, or crimes against humanity, or, or you know the whole all the the blame Bush crowd. Yeah, well, let, let's remember that this you know this blame Bush only came in the second. It only came after he got elected a second time, and the blame Bush crowd can't even come up with a reason to. Oh, I didn't vote for Bush, so you voted for Kerry. Uh, no, I didn't vote for Kerry. Then who did you vote for? Uh. I didn't vote. Well, why do you complain about Bush? I mean, you put Kerry up against him. You know, oh, you don't want Kerry in office. You don't want Al Gore in office. Well, then how is Bush that dumb, and why is Bush such a bad alternative? You know, and now you're saying, well, okay, now you got your alternative to Bush, and this guy's the most liberal guy in Congress, and you just made him president. And you're wondering why he's a complete moron when he gets into office. I mean, this guy makes Barney Frank look like a genius. Yeah. At least Barney Frank just starts yelling incoherently when he doesn't understand something. This guy just stands there with a dumb look on his face. Uh, you know, 
that's that's kind of scary when Barney Frank is starting to look like a genius. Uh, and I still I'm trying to figure out who keeps voting this guy Barney Frank into office. I can't well, figure that out. Like the, his district? Yeah, but who's in his? Di- what district is he in? I think it's like Watertown. No, Watertown's in my district with me in. Well, I don't know. I'm sure somebody's voting him in. Well, they are. I, I thought it was. I thought it was up by you, but it's. I think it's further towards the North Shore. No, it's not. Not my area. Yeah, I know that. But anyways, uh, back to this. So I guess it's all right to dis. I mean, it, it's legal to discuss the topic of assassination of Obama. Yeah. It's not legal to take any action on it or intent. Yeah. So I mean, it's definitely not illegal for us to discuss this topic. Um, I think you know the, the the one thing that comes out of this is, and this this goes back to the uh, Bill of Rights. Right. Okay. And that is when our lawful government doesn't work. Yeah. We've got our second uh, amendment. Okay. We've got a right to bear arms to cause force. I mean, is it, if we're in a situation where he decides he's going to maybe perhaps declare martial law or declare himself a king or, or something like that, well, we've still got our guns. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> there is something in there, <laughs> you know. There is something to having, you know, these rights. And I'm actually surprised that freedom of speech is listed before the right to bear arms. Well, yeah, as I've mentioned before in the amendments, uh, you know, and if we read the uh, amendment one, uh, you know, here it is, Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof uh, or abridging of the freedom of speech or of the press or of the right for the people peacefully to assemble and petition the government uh, for a redress of grievances. Then Amendment 2, which is done all, literally simultaneously, a well-regulated... Oh, these are, this is somebody who is paraphrasing this. Well-regulated... Militia being necessary to the security of a free state, free state, the right of people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. So they gave us, they gave us this right to say anything we want, but they then gave us the right to arm ourselves. So basically, what was going to happen was they figured out that the. Uh, The, that if you're going to have a bunch of people saying whatever they want, um, they're going to get into fights, and, well, you might as well give them guns because that's the only way they're going to stop themselves from killing each other. Yeah. 
But by all, you know, with all things being equal, those are natural rights that we, that are, are codified in law just to make a point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so let's see. Is that about it? I oh well there were a few more things I did want to discuss. Yeah. Um so far. Off of off of uh taxation and things like that. Um, or where was it? And off of politics, uh, you did send me a couple of other articles about um, the something funny in the news. Oh yeah, well, Veggie Love. The uh, we did have to bring that up. The the PETA article that was banned from the Super Bowl for being too suggestive. <laughs> yeah. I mean, basically, girls in lingerie uh, doing sexual things with food. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, rubbing uh, over concerns of rubbing a. This is NBC rejected it over concerns of rubbing a pelvic region with a pumpkin, and then a woman screwing herself with broccoli. Uh, <laughs> It's kind of a weird. I saw the the veggie love thing on the PETA website. Uh, and then we also have to get into the fact that uh, that was a strange segue, by the way. Yeah, well, I'm going to segue into the other PETA thing, where they were talking about some sort of save some sort of weird animal, mm. and uh, somebody had hacked the web, had created a false website that was a .com where they're a .org or something, and. Uh, Put up in a o Omaha Steaks commercial <laughs> on the website. Hmm. I thought that was just a rather interesting thing in the news. Um, yeah. What was the other one that uh, I was looking at? Um, oh yeah, there was the other one where, uh, oddly enough, passersby ignored dying man in the streets. Yep. And video about that. Uh, do you have any comments on that? You know, they're just really odd that how many people pass by before somebody actually takes some pity on him and calls calls him. It was a, it was a neighborhood that's known to be pretty violent. Yeah, it is. But still, I mean, you know, it kind of reminds me of the the boy who cried wolf. Yeah. Because it's so common that you know you got people who are fighting or getting killed or laying around or injured. It's like, well, it happens all the time. Who cares? Right. Well, it just reminds me of that Christian, you know, the Christian story of the Good Samaritan. You know. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a good one. Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we could get into a whole a whole lot of Jewish politics there if we wanted to, just about how what Jews think of Samaritans. But. Uh, well, we could get into any number of religions, really. Yeah, I know. I, I do. Some people would call Samaritans infidels. Well, I, that's the kind of the kind of interesting thing, you know. Christians take it off. This guy is this great guy. I'm like, do you understand like the real like society back then that the the Samaritan is the infidel and breaking, you know, not a real Jew. And 
all this other stuff? Like, uh, do you get that? <laughs> and everybody looks at you cross-eyed. What do you mean? <laughs> that whenever Jesus talked to, to a Samaritan, he was committing a, a sin in most Jews' eyes? Uh, you know, I, I found that interesting. But anyways, you know, taking the, the good parts of that story, um, it, it's just interesting to see a man just dying there and people walking over his his corpse and thinking that we've gone that far. What would you do? I'd probably call the... Well, no, I, I, I don't know what I'd do because... You'd probably grab through your wallet and pick up the pace. Yeah, probably. I mean, I, I got to admit it, it. It probably would be that that I wouldn't want to have to deal with it because I wouldn't want my cell phone locked out for the next two days because I call nine one one, which is what they do. Uh, just because I wanted to be a nice guy, uh, so there is a piece of me that may say I might just stand there and la- and point and laugh. Um, uh, I'm sure there'd be some people out there that would draw their gun and make sure he's dead. Yeah, there would be. <laughs> it is a rough neighborhood. Uh, yeah. And it's not the first time that something like that has happened, which is the scarier part. Then there is uh, something else that found in the news, or you'd send me uh, tough choices for America's hungry, and the talking about how you how uh how you have to live on food stamps and they made it easier for people living on food stamps. Yep. Uh thought that was the interesting thing. The humor in that one was that the CNN reporter was trying to rough it on food stamps. Yeah. Let's be honest, even on on food stamps of like 200 bucks a month or whatever it is, 176. 176 bucks a month. You're really not roughing it. Well, you could be. Well, compared, I mean, let's let's face it. How much food I you can get? I buy you a lot of ramen noodles. Okay, and you don't want to eat ramen noodles, but I'll buy you some some other stuff too. You can get enough protein and enough of everything to last the month. What you know, the real big yeah. concern here is, you know, when you have kids growing up in the ghetto cheering, you know, the day that that the uh, checks come in because the parents finally start buying them food again because they get three weeks of food and the fourth week goes to the parents' drug habit, so they don't eat on the fourth week of uh, the month. You know, that's where it gets disturbing. And, uh, you know, this, oh, roughing it on 176. Yeah, it is kind of roughing it, but you can be done. I've done it before. Uh family of four, however, it might be difficult. Oh, yes, I would say it would be very difficult. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like all matter of perspective. Yeah. A single person can get by on 200 bucks a month in food, no problem. Right. Uh, and then there is one other thing uh, that you did send me, which was the uh, the feel-good report on special needs kids full of spirit. So special needs kids that are cheerleaders. Now I'd like to actually go see them in concert, or in you know to see to see them trying to do some of the backflips and stunts that the regular cheerleaders do. Um, as I, I'm known to watch that on CNN every now, on ESPN every now and then. Uh, 
and seeing the backflips and things like that, I wanted to see how these special needs kids would be able to pull some of those tricks off. Um, you got to be, you know, aware of when I send you email, half of the emails I send you, send you are, like, real topics, and the other half are, like, odd news type things. Well, that, that's the part of the show is odd news. <laughs> <laughs> that's the odd news stuff. And I admit that I'm going to bring up, you know, one of the goals of this podcast is for me to discuss what I think is newsworthy in the news. And odd news is always newsworthy to me. Um, so I have no problem bringing it up and no problem claiming that I am twisted and that I enjoy reading the odd news and I enjoy giving people my my opinion on the odd news. Well, as you said not too long ago, no primordial uh, dwarf left on throne. <laughs> no, that was just regular dwarf housing. Primordial dwarves, I have to admit, uh, the human doll comes to mind when you say primordial dwarf. Is how can I resell the primordial dwarf to a to a rich family and make a buck? And it, you know, that's just me. That's where where what comes to mind. Is, is do we adopt, do we set up a hospital in Thailand, adopt third world orphans, harvest their organs, and uh, pay the $300 to get out of, out of jail card in Thailand while selling these organs for thousands and thousands of dollars to rich people? Uh, you know... Sort of like that Futurama, you know, with the uh, the robot oil and the 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 gene where uh, what do you call it? Uh, I forget. Some fish was making the oil, and it was an extinct fish. And so, mom's friendly robot oil. You you take the gene, put it into a bunch of third world children, slice it into a bunch of third world children, and boom, you've got a lifetime supply of cheap, effective robot oil. Yeah, but where are you going to get that much fish feed? I don't know. You just take the gene and uh, from one fish and replicate it and then put it in a bunch of third-world children. I think you've done this. I've attempted. Attempted. It's been unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. Or I've slacked and it's never left the couch stage. Uh, it's more like what has happened with many of my projects. Uh, all right, I think it's time to wrap this up now. All right, and that's the news.